The first posseg in the parasha of Vayikra has caught everybody's attention. The first posseg. Now in this rendition of the psukim, you don't have the fact that the aleph on the word Vayikra is written in the Sefer Torah as an aleph zi'ira, as a small aleph. And it's not clear uh, where these changes in the orthography of the Torah come from or what they mean. But the interesting thing is that about, an interesting thing about this particular change, the Aleph Zeira, is that Rashi doesn't mention it. Rashi often does mention the changes in the writing. You know, sometimes there are dots on letters and sometimes letters are written big or small. In this case, every Sefer Torah, in every Sefer Torah, the Aleph is an Aleph Zeira. It's small, you can see it. If somebody has, no, nobody has a Tanakh, but if you had a Tanakh or a Chumash, you would see the Aleph Zeira. This is probably printed from the Barilan. In there, the, uh, the, uh, the Aleph doesn't exist. But the Pasuk itself is difficult. Because the Pasuk says, Vayikra el Moshe, Vayidaber Hashem elav me, ol mo'ed le mo'ed. So what is Vayikra and Vayidaber? What's the difference between Vayikra el Moshe and Vayidaber Hashem elav? And then it says, Me'ohel mo'ed le mo'ed. Pasuk bet says, Daber b'nei Yisrael v'mat alihem, Adam ki akriv lechem v'chulei. Vayidaber that's what the that's what the second pasuk says. So we we sort of um, we're a little confused about the content of the words that then So Rashi tries to explain. Rashi tries to handle this problem, and Rashi says this: the chol dibrot, the chol amirot, the chol tzivuyim. Kadma Kriya. Vayikra is a kind of an introductory word. It comes before, it comes before you actually say what you, like, you call to Moshe, you say, Moshe, there's a, an important message about to be delivered from heaven, right? It says, Kadma Kriya. So the word Vayikra is kind of introductory. It comes before the actual conversation. And Rashi says, Lashon Chiba, that it is a word that describes affection between HaKadosh Baruch and whoever is being spoken to. Like here it's Moshe Rabbi Vayikra Moshe. It's a word of affection, right? Moshe. It's a kind of a, it's the word that is used by the angels when they speak to God or when they turn to God. As it says in Yeshayahu, right, we know that line from Kedusha, what we call Kedusha, but that's what they said. They said Kadosh, 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 the angels in heaven. So the angels spoke to each other because it says, Vikara Zeelzeh, Vikara. That's like Vayikra. Um, but when we speak about an, a, a prophet who belongs to the other nations of the world, Bilam, right? There, 
the word that's used to call his attention to the fact that he's going to get a prophecy is Lashon Ara'ivetumah, uh, temporary and unclean. I guess, you know, indicating something bad. Shene'emar, it says with Bilam, Vayikar Elohim El Bilam. Vayikar, it's the same word, Vayikra. It's a short form. So Rashi, Rashi is sort of explaining why there's an Aleph Zeira. It's sort of like Rashi saying, the Torah wants you to notice that when it comes to Moshe Rabbeinu, the full word Vayikra is written and not the shortened word Vayikar. That's what, that's, you could say that that's what Rashi says, even though Rashi doesn't, expl- doesn't mention the Aleph Zeira, right? He doesn't, uh, he doesn't bring, it, bring it up at all. Okay, that's how Rashi starts. Uh, then Rashi says something uh, interesting. Vayikral Moshe, hakol holech umagia leoznav. Hakol holech, it's like the Rambam. Here Rashi's like the Rambam. Hakol holech umagia leoznav. The voice goes along and comes to his ear. What does is, what is, uh, Rashi mean to say? It's not like when two people talk to each other. If I speak to you, so you know it's me speaking, it's my voice. Right? But here, it's as though the coal was not God. It was detached from God. It wasn't, it's not like two people talking to each other, right? it's like God creates this voice that then goes and is heard by Moshe Rabbeinu. It's like, a, it's sort of like, take a step back. So that's what Rashi means. Rashi says, The voice itself, as though the voice is in the air, and it goes and it gets to Moshe Rabbeinu. The kol Yisrael lo shomim. So vayikar, vayikra el Moshe, means only Moshe hears. Nobody else hears it. So then the Medrash asked this interesting question. What about Lahafsakot, the, the spaces in between this parasha and the next parasha? That's a hafsaka. That the Vayikra serves for the hafsakot. Litain Revach Moshe, Ben Parasha Parasha Ben what does Moshe need a Rebach for? What does Moshe need a space for? Rashi is really describing learning. Learning is not just that you learn by rote whatever you were taught, but that you're able to think about what you learned. And so the Torah is not given all at once to Moshe Rabbeinu. But there are spaces, there are periods of time when the Torah is not being taught to Moshe Rabbeinu. That's what, that's what I think Rashi is referring, referring to. Litmonein be parasha le parasha ben inyan le inyan kalvachomer lehediot alomeid behediot. That if a, an, a, a regular person is learning bechavruta with another regular person, it's good that they should have time to think about what they will learn, that they're learning. It was just, you can't just go like a train through the material, but you have to think about it. Uh, okay. 
Okay, let's skip to May Ohel Moed. You see, the pasuk says May Kral Moshe Be'edeber Hashem Elad May Ohel Moed. Right, May Ohel Moed from the Ohel Moed. What was the Ohel Moed? The Ohel Moed is a synonym to the word Mishkan, to the building. There was a building, and that building, as I told you, was divided into a larger space and a smaller space, two thirds and one third, and the one third had the Aron HaKodesh in it. And the two-thirds had the menorah and the Mizbeach and uh, what else? Shulchan. Uh, the Shulchan. <laughs> and the Shulchan in it. So, the, so when, when we say that the voice that God spoke to him, may Ohel Mo'ed, what does that mean? What, what, where was the voice that Moshe Rabbeinu heard? And where was Moshe Rabbeinu? Suddenly this becomes an issue. This becomes an issue of all the parashanim, starting from the, the, the Tanaim. Right? So listen to what it says. There's the first thing. The voice. Remember before Rashi said that only Moshe Rabbeinu heard the voice. And nobody else heard the voice. Now what, what Rashi says is, that Moshe Rabbeinu, the voice reached Moshe Rabbeinu, and that was it. It didn't go further. It didn't go further than Moshe, than Moshe Rabbeinu. Elo yotzei chutz la'ohel. Yachol mitnei shakol namuch. So the Gemara asks, maybe because it was a, a quiet sound, a quiet voice. So Moshe Rabbeinu heard him, and nobody else could hear it, because he had to be right there to hear it. Yachol namuch. Talmud Loma et hakol. Mahu hakol? Hu hakol hamforash betilim. What kol is it that we're talking about? Kol Hashem bekoach. Kol Hashem bahada. We all know that posse. Kol Hashem shover arazir is a powerful sound. In Cain, lama nema mei ohel noeid. Since it was a powerful voice and it could have been heard at a great, at a great distance. From this you learn that the voice that Moshe Rabbeinu heard came to a stop. And it was powerful, but only Moshe Rabbeinu heard it. No one else, no one else heard that uh, uh, voice. There's another example that the in Yechezkel says, Kol Kanfei HaKruvim. Remember there were Kruvim, cherubs on top of the Aron, and they had wings, and they flapped their wings in the, the, in the vision of Yechezkel. And then, uh, it was Nishma, you could hear them, Ad HaChatzer Chitzona. Yechol Mepnei Shakol Namuch. Maybe because they didn't make a lot of, more, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of noise. So they had another example. I said another example of a powerful voice reaching a certain point, and then beyond that point, you couldn't hear it. Couldn't hear the voice. So that's the first thing that there was a miracle inside of a miracle, right? The miracle of God's voice was the first miracle. And the second miracle was that it only went up to Moshe Rabbeinu. But we still don't know the answer to the question of what, is, what does me ohel mo'ed mean? Rashi, me ohel mo'ed, yechol mikol abayit. Maybe 
maybe it's the entire house there. Talmud Loma, me'ala kaporet. No, it came me'ala. What, what is the kaporet? You remember? With what? It's the cover of the Aron, right? The, the, the Aron was covered by some... It, it was the, the Aron didn't have doors. But it, the last thing that they put on the Aron was the cover of it, the top of it. And the top of it was made in a special way. It looked special. And so after they put things in the Aron from the top, you had to put it in the top, they put on the Aron and that was the end. It was covered. It would never be uncovered, never be uncovered again. So it says, Make Oel Moed Lemor, Yachol Mikol Habayit. Maybe the voice came from stereophonic or something, it came from all kinds of places in that. In the Oel Moed, Yachol. No. Talmud Loma, Me'al Kaporet. It came from Me'al Kaporet. It didn't come from every place. Yachol me'al hakaporet kula. So maybe the voice came from the entirety of the kaporet, right? You couldn't tell. It came from here, it came from there. So the, the major says, Talmud lomar, mi bein shnei hakruvim. Again, there were two cherubs that were attached to the aron, and the voice came from in between these two cherubs. That means not from the entire kaporet, but from a, a, a place on the Aporet, Lemor, say, Lemor, Lem, Devreki, Bushim, go and speak to them in, uh, in the, give them solace, Devreki, Bushim, Bishvil, Chem, who need bury me, for you, God is speaking to me. Shekein Matsinu, Shekol Shloshim, Ushmona Shana, that all the 38 years that B'nai Yisrael spent in the desert and they were they were sort of set aside they weren't included they were they were in Cheren God did not speak directly to Moshe Shneemar Vayikasher Tamu Kol Anshei Milchama Lamut Vayidaber Hashem Elai Leimor Elai Hu Adibur. That that's what happened. Davar Acher, Davar Acher, say Veemor Lehem Divarai Veshiveni Im Yikablum. Go and say to them what I taught you. And tell me if they accepted So Rashi says, Rashi says that the voice came to Moshe Rabbeinu from Me'al HaKaporet through the Kruvim. And this voice was not exactly the voice of, uh, uh, it was a special voice that taught Moshe Rabbeinu the Torah. And Moshe Rabbeinu went and taught that Torah to B'nai Yisrael. So the Medrash says, the Medrash says this, Say Amolem Direi Kibushim, go and speak to them in a kind of a soft tone. Say nice things to them. Bishvilchem unidbar imi. Moshe Rabbeinu should say to B'nai Yisrael, God speaks to me for you. Because if it was not for you, 
God wouldn't even speak to me. There would be no reason. Uh, so he says, uh, All the 38 years that they spent in the desert, there was no special conversation that Moshe Rabbeinu had with HaKadosh Baruch Hu for him, for Moshe Rabbeinu. All the conversations were Torah. And that's why every place in the Torah says, It was all Torah. So every time God spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu, it was for the benefit of B'nai Yisrael. So that during those 38 years, they're receiving the Torah, but they know that they're being punished. They're all in Cherem. They're wandering around the desert. They're not happy with their situation. So Moshe Rabbeinu goes and he tells them, you know, your situation is bad, but all of this, these conversations that take place between God and myself about the Torah, it's all for you. It's all for you. It's not for me. For me, I have not spoken except especially with God since the Chaita Muraglim. It's only why I speak to God about you. Okay? That's Lonit Yecheva Dibu. So Rashi seems to indicate, seems to, I said, where, where does the voice that, uh, uh, that, the, uh, that Moshe Rabbeinu hears, where does it come from? Comes from the Alakaporet, Mibena Kruvim. Where is Moshe Rabbeinu standing when he hears the voice, according to Rashi? Does, it, does Rashi indicate where he is standing? Close to the Kruvim, no? What? Yeah. Close yeah. to the Kruvim. What do you mean close to the Kruvim? No. Well, he's, he's close enough to know that the voice is coming, Mibena Kruvim. I think. But Rashi doesn't... No? Why love love Dafka? I mean, that's, that's, that's what the... Right. That's what the Kotzva Shlishi is. It's like the wiring... Well, we didn't get to the Kotzva Shlishi. Rashi here did not, didn't mention it. Right. But I, I think that it, it sounds like... It sounds like uh, that uh, Moshe Rabbeinu would know knows two things, that the voice comes in Beda Kruvim, and that the voice is Nifsak, that he's the only one who can hear it. No one else can hear the voice. That's what Rashi says. So Rashi does not deal with the question of where Moshe Rabbeinu was standing. He could be standing anywhere and somehow know all these things. Or he could always be standing close enough to the Kruvim that he would know to the Kaporet, that he'd know that the voice is coming through the kaporet. Otherwise, how would, he wouldn't know. But maybe he doesn't have to know. Maybe it's just the person who's telling us. When you say no one else would hear it, means even if they were standing next to him, no, no one else would hear the voice? They're standing behind him, I guess. You know, The voice stopped at him. Okay. So That's what Rashi him. says. Right. I mean, this was, this, was like, this was probably wondrous to all of generations of Jewry up until the current generation of children. When you talk about using a cell phone with a headset, right? It's obvious you can be talking to somebody who's far away and having a conversation with you, and nobody else hears. Oh. <laughs> but the text right? But there's a rabbi in our midst. <laughs> He's able to make it current. No, I'm just saying that the kids that wouldn't see this is a Pella. <laughs> I have a simple question. When I was a kid, I would say it's a Pella. I mean, I'm saying me too. 
So we have Ma'ol, Ma'ol Mo'ed. Are we talking about the whole Mishkan, or are we talking about not the whole Mishkan? Okay. Last week's Parsha. So we had the no, it says Mishkan, May, specific in the Mishkan. Yeah, it comes, okay. it comes from the Mishkan, which doesn't answer the question of where was Moshe Rabbeinu standing. I understand, but then the Ma'ol Mo'ed is, is not referring to the whole Mishkan, or it is? No, it is. It's referring to, generally, it's the whole Mishkan, but Rashi says, but well, we know that the voice came from the Allah Kaporet, which is in the Kodesh Kodeshim. And now, now the question is, where was, I mean, a question is, where was Moshe Rabbeinu? It would seem that he didn't have to be in one specific place, because otherwise, how would he know to go to that place to hear the voice? Okay. He only knows once the voice starts. So, so we'll see. So there are two relevant psukib at the end of Shemot. The first is Perikafei Pasukabet. It says, this is the this is Mishpatim. I will meet up with you there in that place. And I will speak to you from above the Kaporet. So it sounds like, so where is Sham? Uh, where is Sham? I mean, it's a pronoun, but where, where could it be? No, If God says, I will speak to you from above the Kaporet, so that sounds like a meeting place. Uh, like uh, um, uh, God is describing where they might meet each other. In between these two so the rest of the Pasuk is clear. But what does that mean? No aditi lechasham. Vidibati itcha me ala kaporet be bein What is the sham in that pasuk? So Rashi says, "Vino aditi shekba mo eid lechaledabeim." I will I will determine a time. We'll meet at a certain time, and I will speak to you. Otoma kom ekba limo eid sheavo sham bedaber elecha. That per, I will determine the place where we will meet when I will speak to you. Right? So Rashi doesn't explain yet where Sham might be. Listen, now, this is the famous Rashi, or the Rashi that is well known, because it repeats, Rashi repeats it three times, this idea. He says, Vayikra Aleph Aleph, it says in my uh, text, which means our apostle, the apostle we just learned. It says, So Rashi says, What's Ohel Moed in that sentence? Zeha Mishkan, Michutz la Parochet. Mishkan is equals Ohel Moed, right? The same thing. What's the Parochet? What's the parochet? It divides up the Kodesh and the Kodesh Kodeshim. Right? So, Michutz la parochet means that he's in the bigger room. He's not in the smaller room with the Aron Kodesh, which has the Kaporet, and where the voice is coming, but he's in the bigger room outside. Zamishkan Michutz la parochet, Nimtsu Shnektu Vimakrishim Ze et Ze. Because this pasuk says, 
that where should Moshe Rabbeinu be standing? In the smaller room. So he can hear the voice that comes from Allah Kaporet. And in the beginning of Ayikra it says, in the beginning of Ayikra it says, May Ohel Moed May Ohel Moed. What's Ohel Moed? That's the other side of the parochet according to Rashi. Here you go. So these two psukim seem to be contradictory. The Pasuk of Ayikra says, the Pasuk of Ayikra says, and the Pasuk here in Shemot says, Sham, which is the Kaporet. How could it be? What does it say? So you have like a pasuk, a third pasuk, which has both of these things written in the same pasuk. That Moshe Rabbeinu came to Ol Moed, like the beginning of Vayikra, right? Like the pasuk in Shemot. In the same pasuk. So what looked like they are no longer because they're in the same person the two ideas the two places uh, so he says Moshe uh, Rashi so where's Moshe standing where's Moshe Moshe is called we have an appointment at 2 o'clock. You're going to meet up with God to learn the next parish of the Chumash. Moshe Rabbeinu goes in, starts walking into the, uh, into the Ohel Moed. Goes like a door. Must have been some kind of an opening in the Ohel. So he walks into the door and he hears the voice coming from the, uh, from the Bibena uh, Kruvim. Right, so where is he? He's in Ohel Moed. And where is he not? He's not Sham. He's not Sham where the Kaporet is. Moshe Rabbeinu is not there. Okay. So I don't know exactly. It turns out that it's not really but it's two ways of describing the same event. There are two things, there are two things you could say. You could say Moshe Rabbeinu was standing, or you could say Moshe Rabbeinu was hearing. So if you say Moshe Rabbeinu was standing, then the correct uh, uh, words to use are Ol Moed, Me Ol Moed, Be Ol Moed. He was like, just walked into Ol Moed, he heard the voice. And the other way of saying it is that Moshe Rabbeinu heard the voice, come but it's really the same. That's what Rashi says. So that that the idea of shnek tuvim amachishim it's just confusion. Like it confuses us a little bit. Now we've straightened it out because there's a pasuk which includes both of these parameters in the same in the same pasuk. One more pasuk. not pasuk. Shmot paragraph. This is the last pasuk in Shmot, right? This one here. Vayichasa anan adol moed anan covered up all moed. Kvod Hashem aleid amishkan. Kvod Hashem is a way of saying, uh, what did I see? 
What did the people see? They saw an anan, a cloud. But what did they know? That this was not a regular cloud. That this cloud was, quote, Hashem. Right? They knew that. How did they know? I don't know. But they looked, they looked up and they said, this cloud is not a regular cloud. This cloud represents the presence of God in the Mishkan. The Pasuk Lamed Hei, the Lo Yechol Moshe Lavol Ol Moed, Kishachan Alav HaAnan, Ukvod Hashem Aleyet HaMishkan. So he says, Adarav of Moshe Rabbeinu could not come into the Oed when God's presence was there because that's the con- conflict, that's the Tartar God's presence is in the Oed, no one could go in. That's what, that's what it says. V'lo yechol Rashi, v'lo yechol Moshe Lavol Ol Moed, v'katub echad omer, v'vo Moshe Lavol Moed. Oh, now this is a real contradiction. Right? You see, on, if you turn over the page, turn over the page, Bamidbar. You see the passing of Bamidbar at the top of the page? Bevo Moshel Ol Moed, Ledaber Ito. Bevo Moshe. Right? Let's go back to our, our Rashi. Ketuba Chad Omer, Bevo Moshel Ol Moed, Bakatuba Shlishi Vichriya Benehem. The cloud is upon it. As long as the Anan was on the on the he couldn't go in. So now we have a new contradiction because before Rashi said that Moshe didn't really nichnas, he just got into the doorway. You, do you remember that Moshe haya nichnas la mishkan v'keivan sheba betocha petach. You see it? The previous Rashi, uh, three lines from the bottom. The first word on the line is sheba betocha petach. Right, what does that sound when we say sheba betocha petach? That he didn't really get very far. He just got to the doorway, right? But here Rashi says, no. Rashi says, if the Anan was on the, 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 the oil moed, then Moshe couldn't go in. But Nistaleka Anan, Nistaleka Anan Nichnas, Uvidamberimo. So that's sort of like the Anan came down and rested on the oil moed, and Moshe Rabbeinu knew that he was being called, so he walked over, but he couldn't go in. But then when HaKadosh Baruch started to speak to him, the Anan went up, disappeared, and Moshe Rabbeinu went in. So still we haven't sort of solved the problem. We have not solved the problem. So I think that, uh, I think, I mean, I would like to learn the Ramban, but I want to learn the, what Rabbi Nachman has to say even more. The, uh, let's learn this Pasuk, the Rashi and this Pasuk. So we don't know any longer how far in did Moshe Rabbeinu go to the Oval Moed. The Rashi that we just learned say, seemed to say that if there's no Anan, Moshe Rabbeinu could have gone in, you know, just gone in and out, that will. It's only when the Anan was there that he couldn't go in. 
So Rashi says, Bevo Moshe, Shnei Ketuvim Achishim Zedze, again, the same story. Bashlishi Vechriya Benehem, Ketuv Echad Omer, Vaidaber Hashem Elav Me'ohel Mo'ed, Vehu Chutz La Parochet. He was outside of the Parochet, right? Parochet. Vekatuv Echad Omer, Vedibarti Itcha Me'al HaKaporet, Bazevizis Vechriya Benehem, Moshe Ba'alol Mu'ed, Visham Shomet HaKol, Aba Me'ala Parakaporet. So now the only thing that we don't understand is why, according to Rashi, did the Torah have to mix us up in this way? Why, did they, why do you need confusion that is going to be straightened out by... Uh... So if you look carefully, if you look carefully at the parasha of Matan Torah, Look, there's a, there's a difference. Because when Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Amhar Sinai to get the Torah, you remember the people were at the bottom of the mountain, and Moshe Rabbeinu went up with Yeshua and Aaron. They all went a certain distance, but only Moshe Rabbeinu continued and went into the cloud which represented Kavod Hashem. So all of this means, what this means is that the Torah is hinting at a change in the status of Moshe Rabbeinu, which is reflective of the change in the status of Am Yisrael. That Am Yisrael, you see, Rashi, Rashi says those words. Rashi says, um, Rashi says, say chutz ohel. God says to Moshe Rabbeinu, say things that will give them some solace. God speaks to me, Moshe Rabbeinu, for your sake. Shekein matzinu, shekol shloshim ashbonu shana shayu Yisrael bamidbar kiminudim. All the 38 years that Bnei Yisrael were in the desert, they were kind of in cherem. They were set aside. History stopped for them. They didn't go to Eretz Yisrael. They didn't get to build the Beit HaMikdash. Nothing. They were just in place, going around in a circle in the desert. Min hamiraglim ve'elach. And this was the result of the chet hamiraglim, according to Rashi. Lo adibur All of that time, all of that time, God did not actually speak to Moshe about Moshe. That was in the 40th year, or the 38th year of wandering, the 40th year since Yitziat Mitzrayim, then God spoke to, to Moshe Rabbeinu. So that means that 
That means that even though Moshe Abenu himself certainly did not sin in the Chaita Muraglim or the Chaita Egel, nevertheless, the fact that his people, the people that he was responsible for, the people that he was supposed to kind of make worthy of Mekabel Torah, the fact that he was in some way unsuccessful, and the Kodesh Baruch said to Moshe Rabbeinu, let's start over again. I'll make you the father of a great nation, and we'll start over again, and you'll teach your children, and it'll work out better. The fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu said that to Moshe Rabbeinu indicates that there was a change in the status, of, in Moshe Rabbeinu's own status. He, he, he wasn't the same. And you see, Rashi says, God did not speak to Moshe Rabbeinu. God taught B'nai Yisrael through Moshe Rabbeinu. But he did not, he, so to speak, did not speak to Moshe Rabbeinu about things that were supposedly happening, about what would be and what would not be. Moshe Rabbeinu lost status, lost status, so that if it is true that the Oel Moed was kind of an a imitation of or a reflection of Matan Torah, which consisted of Moshe Rabbeinu going up on the mountain and entering into the cloud, right, which represented the presence of God, and learning Torah 40 days and 40 nights, that was no longer the case. Moshe Rabbeinu was not in the cloud, but Moshe Rabbeinu was prevented by the cloud from entering the Oel Mo'ed and receiving, and receiving the Torah. Moshe Rabbeinu kind of was, instead of the Torah telling us in, a, in an uh, uh, obvious manner that Moshe Rabbeinu had lost some of the qualities that made him Moshe Rabbeinu, the, the, the Torah tells, it to, uh, tells it this to us in this way, that it must be that Moshe Rabbeinu was, was here, and it was not so clear. There are two psukim. This is the way the Torah tells the story. It doesn't want to tell us about Moshe Rabbeinu. It doesn't want to tell us that Moshe Rabbeinu was no longer exactly Moshe Rabbeinu. But the Torah tells us it's not clear. Like where was he standing? And where was the voice? And who, what, what was it that he was hearing? This is the kind of confusion that covers up the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu in his, in his uh, representing Am Yisrael and Har Sinai was on one level of reception, of receiving the Torah. But in the desert for 38 years, somehow he had become his, his uh, uh, Torah event, the Torah event of learning from God had been reduced somewhat and made less clear because B'nai Yisrael were no longer uh, worthy of getting the unadulterated Torah through Moshe Rabbeinu, so that there was there was, in the, in the words of some achronim, and this was the, the opening to, to mistakes. I mean, the reason people make mistakes about what the Torah wants, the reason the lack of clarity is because at the end of the day, they were not worthy of receiving the Torah of clarity, and therefore Moshe Rabbeinu himself did not receive the Torah of, of clarity. To finish, I'd like to just, uh, I'm sorry that I'm, uh, I'm not sorry. I'm just a little bit in a hurry because I have to go to Shaver Brothers with my grandson. If I don't show up, everybody will be angry at me and say that I have no feelings for the, uh, for the joy of the event. 
which might actually be true, but, uh, but, but I don't want people to say that. I want to, what? Okay, the Kuti Moran come. Listen to Rav Nachman. Rav Nachman says this. Dashi Yesh Bikol Dorva Dor Ro'eh Ruhu Bechinat Moshe Shaya Raya Mehemna Raya Ro'eh Ne'eman He was a, 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 a shepherd of faith, a faithful shepherd. Shur Raya Mehemna, that's Moshe. Vizeha Ro'eh Hu Oseh Mishkan And this shepherd is the one who made the Mishkan. Vida Shetino Kochel Beit Rabban that Tino Kochel Beit Rabban those are little children who are in the Cheder very very little Tino Kochel Beit Rabban Mikablin Hevel Pihen She'ein Bochet Mizeh Mishkan the Gemara says the Gemara says where where they're building the Mishkan when they were building the Mishkan, nothing stopped. They kept doing whatever they did, except on Shabbos, uh, the, except for Hevel P.M. Shel Tinoko Shel Beit Rabban. It was the ultimate, the, the ultimate purity in the world is Tinoko Shel Beit Rabban. So I always thought that that meant, very, if you take little children and you learn Chumash with them, you say, Bereshis Boralo Kibbis HaShemayim It's not a problem. You tell children, and they say, yeah, that, that must be exactly what happened. And you tell adults, adults, so they say, what does Bereshis mean? And what does Boral mean? And how does it happen? And what happened? How do we know? How do we know it's true? But Tino Kocha, Beit Rabban, have that ultimate naivete. You know, they're very accepting of, of things. And then when they speak, that's Hevel P.M. Shotinoko Shobes Rabban. They repeat with great faith uh, uh, what it is that the Chumash says. And it's only because there is a Mishkan that there could be Hevel P.M. Shotinoko Shobes Rabban. This little child, you teach him Malabes, and he starts saying Psukim in the Torah. This is the tradition, right? Little children, you take them to the Cheder, and you give them gooey candy, and, and uh, they used to stick the gooey candy on the Chumash, and then the kid would go and lick up the candy. What? Dvash. Oh, dvash. Well, gooey candy has dvash in it. In those days, it had to be natural. It couldn't be something synthetic. But the idea is, the idea is, it's like an act of love. Of course, it's an act of love for the candy. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but that's what they did. And this is the meaning of the little Aleph. Because after all, Vayikra, the 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 parasha of Vayikra comes right after the Mishkan was completed in the end of Shemot. That's when God calls Moshe Rabbeinu 
and tells him to start speaking to him from the Mishkan. So the Torah as we know it is connected to the Mishkan through Moshe Rabbeinu. We receive the Torah. And when we have a child, we have a, a, a child learning, starting to learn, we want him to connect to that. That's where they get the Hevel that the, that the, the breath that comes out of their mouths is, is somehow filled with the sanctity. And that's where they begin to go into the Torah. So if you look again at the beginning of this paragraph. I'm sorry, what's the olive zeira? That's the little olive. No, I know, but what, where, 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 how does that fit into this? What, what? It's like the kids. That's the representative? What? What, what he says, what is what is the direct noun that he's referring to? <laughs> no, I think what what he's saying is that the that the vayikra is a universal. It says, Moshe. But it's not talking about Moshe Rabbeinu alone. But it's talking about the Moshe Rabbeinu in every door. That's what, that's what he, he says. So he says at the beginning, That's in every generation. There's always Moshe Rabbeinu. And therefore, and that's what the Aleph Zi'ira comes to, to make a remez, that the word Vayikra is not only that God called out to Moshe Rabbeinu, but God calls out to the Moshe Rabbeinu in every generation who is ob- obligated to somehow take care of education of all the children, of all the children that are there, and to create this Hevel P.M. Shel Tinoko Shel Beit Rabban. So that what Rav Nachman is saying, and this was very much in the language that he used all the time, is that in spite of the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu was compromised by B'nai Yisrael, those B'nai Yisrael were not totally accepting of the Torah in a proper way. And so not only was their punishment to wander around the desert for 38 years, but their punishment was that they were not able to absorb the Torah in a proper manner. They were, they were somehow minudim, they were in cheren, they were excommunicated from, from God. They were in the desert, which is no place, wandering around, going no place, and getting no place. And they received the Torah in a kind of truncated manner. Even to us it doesn't seem that way, but that's what, that's what Rashi kind of taught us, that, the, that Moshe Rabbeinu was no longer able to be the Moshe Rabbeinu of the original Matan Torah, which was rejected by, uh, by B'nai Yisrael. In spite of all that, in spite of all that, he says, we can't live without a Moshe Rabbeinu who could at least get us to the level of the Mishkan, 
which enables us to hear the word of God through Moshe Rabbeinu, albeit in a less impressive manner, which then in turn allows for the Tinochel shall base Rabban for all the children to produce this Hevel Pihem, which is of such great significance because they they accept the Torah in a way that B'nai Yisrael were unable to accept the Torah. It was this, there is an acceptance of the Torah that takes you out of the limited uh, situation that B'nai Yisrael were in. B'nai Yisrael, B'nai Yisrael somehow didn't, Moshe Rabbeinu said, they want to go up and get the Torah? They said, no, you go. You go, we'll wait here. We'll wait here, which contradicts that other idea from Megillah Sester, you know, that they kimu the kiblu ayudim that they, they, they accepted in Purim even more than they accepted at Har Sinai, right? Even more they accepted at Har Sinai because Har Sinai, God said, you want the Torah, who's going to say no? But it says with Ferris that B'nai Yisrael said, well, we want the Torah, but we don't want to be actively involved in receiving the Torah. It's a little frightening for us. So already they, they indicated that they were not capable of mustering up the energy that it was necessary in order to be proper recipients, proper recipients of the Torah. So on the one hand, Moshe Rabbeinu is affected by this. On the other hand, Rav Nachman said that Moshe Rabbeinu remained the model of educational leadership throughout uh, Jewish history. And the Moshe Rabbeinu is the one who builds the Mishkan in his generation and enables the children, enables the children to, uh, to receive the Torah with, with purity. Okay. I didn't mean what I said. <laughs>